Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Mark's Gospel, 8th chapter, beginning with the 31st verse. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. Do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And then he called to the crowd to him, and along with his disciples, he said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for me for the sake of the gospel will save it. What is it good for one to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or can anyone give an exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, if my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him. And when he comes in his Father's glory with the angels. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we gather again for worship. We celebrate the naming of one in our family. We celebrate the opportunities to gather at home and here in the sanctuary. We celebrate a beautiful day. We mark a year of tribulation. We are blessed to be your children. But during this hour, O Lord, as we hear your word read and proclaimed, let us not take these blessings for granted, but let us take them deep into our hearts and spring forth from them to live into those blessings and to bless the world around us, not as mere hearers of your word, but as doers of your word. Your son's holy name we pray. Amen. January 1982, Air Florida Flight 90 lifted off from Washington National Airport. It was one of those January days where it was gray and overcast. There had been sleet and freezing rain falling. And so as the plane took off, the pilots quickly realized their wings were iced over. And as much as they fought with the controls, they could not pull up and gain the altitude, clipping the 14th Street Bridge right there in D.C., The plane plummeted in the Potomac and almost all the lives were lost. All but six people. Folks on the bridge were trying to makeshift ropes and lower them to the water, trying to rescue the six that were floundering in those cold, icy conditions. Pretty soon a U.S. Park Police helicopter hovered over and lowered a rope. Five times that rope was lowered to one man and each time... Arlen Williams Jr. passed it to someone else. Five times it was lowered to him and he passed it to someone else that they would grab a hold 
and be lifted to safety and put on dry land. By the time the helicopter returned the sixth time, the icy cold waters, hyperthermia, all the conditions had just overtaken him. And he had sunk below the icy waves. Selfless heroism and inspiration in the midst of a horrible tragedy. All the nation watched this. Everyone remarked at his selflessness. I wonder, as thinking about that story at 50 years old, how many times had he asked this question, am I made for something? Is there a meaning or a purpose in my life? I mean, that's a question that many of us ask as we get up and we go through our routine each day. We try to think, like, am, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I living out my calling? Sometimes we think about that and we think of it on the surface, like, is this the job I should do? Is this really how my life should be? But see, I think there's a deeper theological underpinning to that question, an intent, a purpose. Are we really being the people that God wants us to be? In our text today, Jesus is teaching the disciples and all who would listen about his purpose. He knew that he had a very specific mission. He knew that he was called for a very specific purpose, that he was born to this earth to save us. Earlier in the gospel, he had asked the disciples, who do the people say that I am? And he's sort of listening to what their responses were. And if you know, Peter was the one of the ones that said, you're the Messiah, the Christ. But now, in this part of the text, in our story today, Jesus is explaining what it really means. He's telling what's going to happen. He's foretelling his arrest, his persecution, his crucifixion, and his death. It's not a rosy picture that he paints, is it? I mean, he sort of tells us all, you know, I've been doing all these great things, but let me tell you what's about to come down the pipeline here, folks. It's not a pretty picture. Now, there's hope in the end, of course, because he talks about being raised from the dead. But when he when they tells this story, Peter is very caught off guard. Matter of fact, Peter, it says, rebukes him. Peter, kind of like the spin doctor, pulls him aside and says, Hey, Jesus, don't tell them that. Nobody will follow you. Or maybe it was Jesus, you don't really mean that. He's denying Jesus' truth. You don't really mean that, do you? Surely that's not how it's going to go down. Or maybe Peter just can't wrap his head around it. Maybe Peter personally just can't bear to part with Jesus. But you and I know the rest of the story, right? We know that the cross was the only option for Jesus. It was not optional for him to check the boxes. Yeah, I don't think I want to do that. So what he does is he rebukes Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. He says, Peter, you're not thinking about this in the big picture. You're thinking only for yourself. And he tells the unvarnished truth. He answers the question for us, am I made for something? And he tells us what that means. He tells us that we are truly called, that we are made for something in this world, that if we are going to follow Christ, that we have to deny ourselves, we have to take up our cross, that if we want to save our lives, we must lose it. And if we lose our lives, 
for the sake of the gospel, then we gain heaven as our reward. Am I made for something? It's right there in black and white, or if your Bible is one of those with red letters, it's in red and white. You can't miss it. We are made for something to lose our life for the gospel, for the good news of Christ, for the kingdom of grace and forgiveness and love. That's what we are called to do. But taking up our cross is a two-part process. The first part is to deny ourself, our selfish ambition, and to change our perspective from inward. And then to the second part, to lose ourselves, to focus outwardly. That's what it really means to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, is to deny ourselves, to quit focusing inwardly, and to lose ourselves and begin focusing outwardly. Now we know that we were made to be in a relationship with God, we were called to follow Christ. But so often what gets in our way is that our focus becomes about ourselves, not about following Christ. It becomes about ourselves. We're distracted by the shiny objects. We're distracted by selfish ambition. I mean, it's a story as old as creation, isn't it? I mean, think of Adam and Eve. I mean, they were placed in the garden and they were there and God said, you can do anything you want. You can have anything you want in here. There's only one rule. Now think about this. It is a smorgasbord of life and there is only one rule. The tree in the center of the garden, leave it alone. Don't eat of the fruit. But sure enough, they started thinking about themselves. And the more they thought about themselves, they thought the tree was theirs. That they had a right to it. And everything falls apart after that. But see, Jesus teaches this story differently, doesn't he? Jesus teaches us not to be about ourselves, but to think outwardly. I mean, we really should have seen this coming, right? I mean, when Jesus calls the disciples, he's walking along the shore of Galilee. They are commercial fishermen. They, they make their living catching fish and selling them in the marketplace. So he comes early in the morning. They've been out all night fishing, and they've caught nothing. They're tired, they're exhausted, they're trying to figure out how they're going to put food on the table, how to make ends meet, and Jesus says, hey, put your nets in on the other side of the boat. And I know they're thinking, you're a carpenter, what do you know about fishing? This is what we do for a living, there are no fish. And he says, trust me. And I'm sure they did it to humor him. And so they throw their nets over and they pull in so many fish that it almost sinks the boat. I mean, it's more fish than they have ever caught. Not only that, it's enough fish that they have probably set the market and they have made their income for the entire year in that one instant. That's the hook. Yeah, I meant the pun. That's the hook that Jesus uses to catch them because all of a sudden, with Jesus, the impossible is possible. And then you know what he tells them to do? Leave it behind. Leave it behind and follow me. I'll teach you to be fishers of men. So they've got this opportunity right here in front of them where they have got all they need for an entire year's worth of income. And he says, leave it behind. I'm going to show you something even better we're going to go fishing for people. 
we're made to love, right? I mean, we're made to love. I mean, we even know this internally. We're made to love all the children of the world, all the people of the world. We know this in our head and in our hearts, but sometimes in order to do that, we've got to deny ourselves to change the perspective. Because even though we know this, we really like ourselves, right? I mean, we love ourselves. I mean, we want to think that life is all about us some days. I mean, TV has conditioned us to this. I mean, all the way back to my childhood, Burger King ran a whole ad of you can have it your way. And so many times in life, we think that things should be done the way we want to. Taylor, make it for me because it's all about me. Or J.G. Wentworth, if you've got a structured settlement, you say, it's my money and I want it now. It doesn't matter that you've signed a deal. It's my money and I want it now. See, denying ourselves is about reaching into the world and realizing that it doesn't revolve around us. It's about changing our perspective. See, that's the challenging work of discipleship, the way I see it, because discipleship is about following Christ, not telling Christ where we're going to go, not trying to lead Christ there. It's about following Christ, denying ourselves. And so the work for us as disciples is that we've each day got to rise up as we get out of bed and that we've got to pray and seek and ask and look for places where we want to be in charge and then say, hold on. Jesus, take the wheel. You're in charge. See, that's the work for us. See, when we begin to realize that, there's so many times that we want to be in charge and not let God in charge, that's when the real work of discipleship happens. When we can own those moments and seek the change That's when we become the followers that God really wants us to be. We begin to not think of ourselves, but of others. So here's the first part of our homework this week. If you take wherever you are, take a pen, take a piece of paper, take a mental note. If you don't have any of that, you can play this again later today when you have that. First part of your homework is ask ourselves this question. Where in my life do I live as if it's me first? I mean, if we're going to make a change, we've got to name what we need to change. Where in my life do I live as if it's me first? We begin to deny ourselves when we can name that. But being in relationship with Christ and being in relationship with the world is about denying ourselves and moving from that inward focus to moving to an outward focus, to changing the image, to changing how we look at life around us. I mean, Jesus was fully human and fully divine. I mean, he knew this would be hard for us. He knew that Peter was going to have a hard time. That's why he rebuked him and said, Peter, you're thinking only of yourself. Open your eyes and look out. I mean, if we think of Jesus' ministry, all those healing miracles, all those amazing showcases of Jesus' power, they taught us lessons, right? Not only that Jesus was fully human and fully divine, that he could do amazing things, but taught us on an interpersonal level that we need to change our focus. So it wasn't so much where Jesus was, what have you done for me lately, but what are you doing for the world around us? See, this is the problem. Sometimes we get very myopic. We're asking Jesus to do things for us. But when we begin to change our focus outwardly, we begin to clearly see where Jesus needs us to be agents, the hands and feet of Christ in the world around us. I think of the story of the Gerizim demoniac. There's a man that's been possessed for years and he's 
over in the corner of the town, so we just kind of know he's there and he's possessed. And Jesus comes and the demons in him say, you're going to cast us out. Jesus is going to cast the demons. I say, well, if you're going to cast us out, put us in this herd of pigs over here. And so Jesus does, and the pigs go running off the cliff, and all of a sudden the man is healed, and he's no longer possessed. And everybody sort of goes, thumbs up. And then they get mad at Jesus because he ruined the crop of pigs. I mean, they're more concerned about the pigs. And these are Jewish people who, you know, they think the pigs as dirty, unclean animals. They're more worried about the loss of livestock than they are that this man that they've known has been possessed for years is finally healed. They were thinking only of themselves. And what Jesus really wanted to see is to see, look, this man that you have ignored is finally healed. That's when we have an outward thought. The outward thought is Jesus should have been the townsman who said, Jesus, do something about him. Help us. We can't help him, but you can. That's where Jesus challenges us with this outward mindset, this outward focus. I mean, that's the heavy lifting of the gospel when you really get down to it. Think about Jesus' miracles. The wedding at Cana of Galilee, when he turned the water into wine, it was not so that he could show the world that he could do it. It was because he didn't want the host to lose face. The idea of the fishers of men, he showed them that he could do that, not because he wanted to impress them that he could show them how to catch fish, but he wanted to catch their hearts and capture them so that they would see that the vision of the gospel was to do the same thing just with people like you and me. To go out and to share the good news and invite them into that relationship with a God who loves them. Or the feeding of the 5,000 was an act of hospitality, but also an opportunity so that people wouldn't be hungry. We read this, we hear that blessed are you and the Beatitudes, and we realize that we are blessed to be a blessing in the world around us. So we begin to realize that it's not all about us, and we want to have this outward focus. Maybe we ask, how do we do that? I mean, we can take that simple acrostic joy, Jesus, others, and then yourself, and put them in the order, and that's who we reach out to, that's who we look for, that's who we serve. Here at the church, you know, our staff is thinking about this. We're trying to think about this outward focus, how we can have a lasting impact not only within the discipleship ministries of our church, but in the community and the world around us. Our church council is beginning to engage in a process in which what we hope to do is create a vision for the next 10 years about how we will grow deeper in our discipleship until we know God, but that we practice it that we're engaged in ministry so that every member of this church is engaged in some way in the ministries of this church to change the world. And that ultimately we are all evangelists, meaning that we really all go out, and this is a term that gets used and batted around and it's scary, but tell you what evangelism really is. It's an invitation. I mean, you already do this with your friends. You say, hey, you ought to, you ought to come meet with some friends of mine. We, we play cards on Tuesday nights or whatever. Evangelism is just inviting people into relationship, inviting them to know and experience the goodness that you know and experience so that their lives are changed like your life has been changed. That's the outward focus that God calls us to do, to reach out and invite each other onto this journey to make a difference. So here's a little bit of homework to go with the first one. How and where can I put Christ and others first in my life? What if we rose each day and we ask ourselves that question, how and where can I put Christ and others first in my life? And then the follow-up to the question is this, when I turn outward, what do I see? 
So if we want to have this outward mindset, imagine this afternoon you go outside and you say, okay, I'm not going to think all about me. Where, let me look out. Where do I see need? When I turn outward, what do I see? And then finally, where do I need to share the good news of love, of grace, and forgiveness in the world? So there's really four questions for us to work on. How and where can I put Christ and others first in my life? When I turn outward, what do I see? And where do I need to share the good news of love and grace and forgiveness in the world around me? And see, I think, my friends, when we start to live like that, we start to focus on those four questions, we begin to understand that we are truly made for something. It's a question of meaning and purpose for us. It's what God intends for us to do with our life and through our lives. See, because I believe that we are intended to love God and to love our neighbor and to love the world, but especially putting our gifts and our talents, each of us is uniquely blessed with something. But to use those gifts and talents in a way that makes a difference in the world and shares that love. Because here's the secret. I think the outward focus of our lives may be the lifeline that someone needs today. The outward focus of our lives may be the lifeline that someone needs before they slip beneath the turbulent, icy waters of life and are lost. And so I hope that we will go forth turning from inward to outward and to be that lifeline for those in need. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.